to the journal.ie's election 2020 series of The Candidate. We're sitting down with each party leader and putting your questions recorded by you to them to help you decide who to vote for on February 8th. I'm Christina Finn, political correspondent with the journal.ie, and for this episode, we sat down with Brendan Howland, leader of the Labour Party. We got loads of questions since we put out our shout out. The first question for Brendan Howland was from Andrew Farrell on housing. My name is Andrew Farrell and I'm from Black Rock in the Dunleary Rothdown constituency. Last year, I saw that Senator Aidan O'Reardon from the Labour Party was campaigning heavily against plans to build more than 650 apartments in or near St Anne's Park. So my question to you, Brendan, is how do you expect to fix the housing crisis when your senators are campaigning against apartments being built? I want to thank you for the question. I think it's a very important and good one. Um, we are determined to build houses for people and we have a comprehensive plan that I set out today um, to build 80,000 social and affordable houses on public land. Um, and I'll go into that in a detail, but to, to deal with the specific question, um, it's not only about building houses, it's building houses in the right place and building communities. Um, and it can't be developer-led. They can't determine where the houses should be. And we can't give up all our green space. And what Aon was doing was defending um, an important green lung in the north p- part of the city. Um, good planning is as important as um, the, the number of houses we built. Um, and the Labour Party has always been strong on planning. When developers were destroying Dublin in particular... Um, it was the Labour Party who was taking a very strong line against it. And some of them uh, actually lost seats. Some of them uh, faced legal challenges uh, from developers because they demanded quality planning, decent planning, infrastructure with houses. Because we don't want to solve one crisis in housing by creating another one where there's no facilities, where there's no green spaces, there's no places for our children to play. Uh, So planning and housing are interlinked. Uh, But to, to deal with the, the housing issue, um, you know, there's a whole range of issues on offer from the political parties to deal with housing. But it's not rocket science, a very straightforward issue. It is a matter of supply. So I'm against the notion of giving uh, grants or supports to people to outbid one another for a supply of houses that doesn't exist. Uh, all you do is, uh, again, make the developers rich or richer than they already are. Um, so our plan is to use 16 billion euros, and that's a big chunk of money, and I'd set out where we will get it. Some of it actually from NAMA, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, more than appropriate that the profits from NAMA, the 4 billion they're going to uh, hand back to the state, would be used to build houses for people. On the land that we kept in public ownership, uh, built through the local authorities, a mixture of both social houses for people who would normally qualify for what used to be council housing, social housing as we call it now, and to offer other people um, accommodation uh, to buy at an affordable price. Uh, We need to keep down the cost of land and that's why we want to implement the Kenny Report, uh, which uh, many, many decades ago now said that we should fix the the price of land for for building houses at um, agricultural cost plus 25% rather than give windfall profits. And of course, we have a rent-to-buy scheme as well. And Brendan, you've come straight from your manifesto launch. As you said, a huge commitment there for 16 billion. That's Mm. that's a serious amount of money um, for any party to to dedicate. But moving, I suppose, on to the issue of the rent freeze, that was something that you also addressed at the press conference earlier this morning, saying that um, Alan Kelly, when he was minister, actually did bring in a rent freeze. You probably have, you know, some insight into what the attorney 
Attorney General's advice mm. was at the time. Mm. Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil seem to say this is unconstitutional. Um, you know, a lot of legal experts are saying, actually, it's really the courts that can test whether something is unconstitutional or not. But what, can you give us an insight into the background of how that initial rent freeze was rolled out those number of years ago? Yeah. It was, <clears throat> we just simply didn't allow a, a rent review for two years. <clears throat> Said the, the, there can't be a review of rents that are already extant for two years. Uh, nobody challenged it. If, if it was unconstitutional, nobody tested that. We have a funny view of property rights in the Constitution. They seem to be the most sacred of all rights. The notion that people can be on the streets in a sleeping bag, uh, can be eating, uh, children can be eating their, their dinner uh, off the side of the road, that doesn't seem to um, weigh as heavily as the right of property. Uh, and I don't believe that socially conscious um, judiciary um, would act against the common interest and the common good in that regard. Uh, so we certainly, we would legislate for it. And if somebody takes a challenge, uh, we would uh, deal with that in the courts. And I think that would be successful. And in the rare event that it wasn't successful, then we'd put it to the people and change the constitution to give supremacy uh, to the right of people to have a house. Basic shelter is something that most developed countries see as not an ancillary, but a, a core requirement for any civilised society. And we want to provide that for the people of Ireland. Our manifesto that you've referenced, Christina, um, really is not a very extensive one because unlike others, we see there's two big crises, health and housing. And if we can solve those in the next five years, and it will require not only political will and determination, but a big chunk of money, we can't do all the other things. But I suppose that before any of those problems can get fixed, um, your party will have to be some way joined up with another party. And that brings me, I suppose, to Tommy Ryan, who had a question in relation to Sinn Féin. Hello, my name is Tommy Ryan. I live in Cork. My question to Brendan is... Why doesn't the Labour Party work with other left-leaning parties, including Sinn Féin, to form an alliance and break the dominance of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael? And can they rule out going into government with either of these parties? An interesting one there in relation to some comments that you made after the uh, RT debate. And I think you followed up with that um, recently saying that you wanted some form of a progressive alliance. Mm. So is that to include Sinn Féin or not? Well, I want to th uh, thank Tommy for his question. Um, from, the, from the day I was elected leader of the Labour Party, I've reached out uh, to other progressives and I've asked people without any looking for um, a, recipro a reciprocal response, uh, who are going to vote Labour to give the number one vote to the Labour Party and then their second, third preferences uh, to the Social Democrats, to the Green Party and to other uh, progressive independents. I didn't name-check Sinn Féin in that because, number one, I, I'm not convinced that they're a progressive party. And if you look at their election manifesto, uh, they're falling into the same trap as Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. They're promising a big tax giveaway. Uh, and in many ways worse because... Um, they're going to abolish property tax. Now, it's all well and good to say nobody wants to pay tax, but we need to have a broad tax base. And if people have very significant assets tied up in a, in a home, um, every other developed country, and certainly every other progressive country, taxes that, taxes that asset. Uh, you know, they make the argument, well, if, there's a, if you have a fixed income and you can't afford to pay the tax, well, then you could defer the tax against the property so that the children don't inherit a mega wad of money. But there is there any pathway that you can see uh, the Labour working with Sinn Féin or is it really just that the differences in your view, particularly on that taxation issue, are just too far apart? Or if it came down to it, 
would you go and talk to them or would you see a possibility of a future between the two parties? Well, we've worked very closely um, with all the progressives in the Dáil uh, on policies that we agree on. Uh, and we certainly have um, worked with Sinn Féin in relation to housing policy. Um, John O'Sullivan from the Labour Party um, has produced legislation that has been supported by Sinn Féin and vice versa. Uh, so there are things where we are at idem on and I have no difficulty with cooperation in that. But cooperation in government is a different thing. Um, one, I, I think that their policy platform uh, is not compatible with the progressive uh, um, platform, as I've just said. But there is another issue, and, and that's the issue you can't escape, which is the issue of trust. Um, trust between parties is really important in the formation of government, um, either you know, in any arrangement uh, for confidence and supply or any formal coalition agreement or anything else. And the issue of trust with, with Sinn Féin is real. Who actually is calling the, sh- the, the shots there. Who is? Mary Lou has said that it's similar to any other national executive within well, a party. Is that something obviously you well, disagree uh, with? See, it's, it's not a matter of the national executive. It's when the evidence is there, uh, their finance minister in Northern Ireland, uh, Michal Mwelor, uh, when he was a finance minister and had to ring up uh, figures who are not members of any um, elected body, elected to nothing, but figures external to get instructions. Instructions were the words. And... That is an issue of trust that really... So Sinn Féin would be a last resort for the uh, Labour Party? It's not a matter of a last resort because we're too, we're, I mean, we're too small a party to start ruling people out. I'm just saying these are practical difficulties. Uh, and the issue of trust would be fundamental in government formation because you, you have to have that trust or you can't operate uh, within government. And cabinet is a particular constitutional structure. There can't be external people giving instructions to cabinet ministers or you can't um, d- determine uh, government policy on the basis of having to make phone calls to external people. Well, so that, that just is an issue that would need to be addressed. On the issue exactly of, of trust, uh, Brendan, a former Labour Party member had a question in relation to your previous time in government. Hello, my name is Brian Cairns. I live in Bowmount in Dublin. I'm a former Labour supporter. I'd like to ask Mr Howland, does he feel any responsibility for inflicting extra hardship on the already struggling, low-wage and unemployed families during the worst years of the recession. And looking back at the waste of money that went into Irish water, do you still think that Labour's stance on the issue is justified? I think that's a very real question. Um, we made promises in advance of, the la- of that election that we weren't able to fulfil. Uh, and that was a reality. And people fell out with us, like, like Brian, uh, who had been our supporters. Um, but it, we were going in in the worst of times. Our country was collapsing around our ears. Whether we would actually survive at all uh, or whether we would be able to pay any um, social welfare payments or pay the wages of public uh, employees from teachers and nurses uh, to civil servants was at question. Um, we had to make difficult decisions and we didn't make always make the right decisions. Um, I regret what happened with Irish Water, for example. I am very strongly of the view that we need a single water utility and the quality of water that's been displayed when we actually have a national audit now um, shows that. And we need to spend an awful lot of money um, investing in our water supply. But that was a PR disaster for, oh, yeah. for the entire government. Well, it was, it was rushed because of the pressure of the Troika. A 10-year project happened in five years. Uh, and that we shouldn't have allowed that. Uh, and I regret that, that that happened. But we did an awful lot of good as well. I mean, you, uh, Brian talked about employment. When we went into government the unemployment rate was heading towards half a million people. It was the biggest, biggest issue, the biggest social issue. We were facing mass unemployment of a scale that we hadn't seen since the 1950s. And by the time we left government, 
that had been brought down more than half and the pathway to full employment had been started. So getting people back to work, getting incomes restored, um, trying as best we could to protect basic infrastructure in our time. Um, we made lots of mistakes on the way. Could you have done more when you're when you're looking back in hindsight? I suppose that's easy to say. Yeah. Um, f- you know, coming at it from 2020, sure. but you ever look back and said, I, "I should have pushed more, or I should have yes. put my foot down more." Yes, um, I, I, I regret on the Irish water issue, and I remember very vividly um, the discussion we had with Fine Gael, and they were insisting on doing it, insisting on doing it, and Eamon Gilmore and I were trying to resist that and resist that, and eventually we, we yielded on it. I regret we did. I regret we did, but the alternative would be to pull down the government then, and that it was in the, in the middle of the uh, of the economic crisis. I don't know what would have happened to the country. I certainly would have lost any confidence of investors. Um, we our our, uh, our um, credibility with the troika would have ended, and um, what what probably would have happened is what happened in Greece, and that is uh, the money supply ended uh, and the economy went into meltdown. Now, these are you know these are big issues and big choices to make in the middle of a crisis. And, you know, under the cosh, you sometimes, it's lovely to be able to reflect back and say, I wish I had done things differently. Uh, and there are things I wish I'd done different, differently. But at the end of the day, we left the country in a much better place after our term in office. Um, I bitterly regret th- that the economic collapse happened, but that wasn't our doing. We were the fire brigade that put out the fire. And there's a certain irony now that the people who started the fire are now coming back into popularity. You know, we, we've forgotten uh, the, the, you know, the Fianna Fáil Green go- government that brought us to our knees by shrinking the tax base. Do you think the Greens would be, you know, a rescue party to go in with now I, I, if I that's hope, your hope, reflection on no, it? No, I think, I hope that they, like us, would have learned from their involvement with another party. Uh, and that's why I've suggested an alternative, and that is an alliance that rather than let others pick us off one by one, one party by another, if we sat down after the election, if we had critical mass, if we have enough deputies between us, the Labour Party, um, the Green Party, the Social Democrats, and there might be some progressive independents. And I said, this is our policy platform. We're going to solve the major crisis. We're not going to give tax breaks right, left and centre. As Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, and unfortunately Sinn Féin too, are promising. You've said that you, you don't think people will, you know, they'd be happy not to have those tax cuts, um, you know, tax and not see the yeah, people the, on the streets the, or to have to step yeah, over people in sleeping bags. The are small on an individual basis. You know, you get a fiver uh, at the end of the week. Um, it won't make a transformative difference in your life, but it costs billions of euro when everybody gets it. Uh, and, for instance, in the Fine Gael case... They're going to give 8.6 billion euros in tax breaks over the next five years to the top one in five workers. The top 20% of workers will get that. 80% won't benefit. So the the people who are already the best off might get an extra five for a week. But that 8 billion, 8.6 billion is not available to, to make the investment we need to solve housing and health. And I think just think that's the wrong wrong choice. And I know it's very... Very attractive. People always say, oh, yeah, cut taxes, cut taxes. But if you really want the quality social infrastructure that the most developed countries in Europe, the ones we look to, like the Denmarks and the mm-hmm. uh, the Netherlands and the Finlands, we, we need that tax base. And we're back now into the, the, the naughtiest time of promising... Um, you know, ice cream every Wednesday and nobody has to pay for it. it, it, it we, we, I want to be honest with people. If we want to fix housing and health, 
if we want to end, and the other issue, of course, is ending waste, mm-hmm. we need to have a tax base that is robust. I'm just cognizant of, uh, you know, a few more questions that uh, one in from um, Wexford here from your That's own constituency. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he wants to ask about local councils. My name is Rory Stafford. I'm from Wexford Town. I would like to ask Brendan Howland why he supported, when he was in the last government as a minister, why he supported the Local Government Act that abolished all the borough councils if he now thinks it's a bad idea. Thank you. Rory, um, whom I know very well. Uh, hi, Rory. Um, I think it was another mistake. Um, there was uh, an idea. What was the thinking behind it? I think it was to integrate uh, and to rationalise and to make things more efficient. When we have no money, can you amalgamate and make things more efficient? Uh, and that was the scheme that Phil Hogan came up with. Um, I was dubious about it then, but there was bigger things that I, I was dealing with. And I took my eye off the ball in terms of town councils, because town councils are actually the bedrock of local democracy in places like Wexford Town, in Enniscorthy, in Gorey, in Clonmel, in Drogheda. You know, they have a rich tradition. And that's why uh, I, even when I was still in government, I told my own conference that we mistake that we need to undo. And I promised we would. And we produced legislation. It's actually... Uh, passed second stage in the Dáil to restore town councils, uh, a, a bill in my own name. I've argued for it. It's gone to committee in the Dáil. Uh, and I certainly would be optimistic that come the next local elections that we'll have restored town councils and actually strengthened them because there's a whole range of new communities that would be over the, the threshold of five or 10,000 people that have no um, local authority at all. And they should have them as well. Um, Donica Murphy from Wicklow as well sent in a question and he was sort of asking about accountability when it came to politicians there and I suppose you've said yourself that in the past you've made some mistakes <clears throat> um, and perhaps people you know would like to see more of politicians yeah. putting their hands up and admitting when they've perhaps put a, a step wrong do you think there is a need for more accountability um, Donica Murphy he, he raised issues like cervical cancer the children's hospital asking who is responsible for these sort of scandals in the public service and should people be demoted or sacked if, if, if the book has to stop somewhere accountability is a huge issue and it is one of the things that is frustrating <clears throat> there's two elements to, to Donica's question One is the issue of waste, and people are scandalised when money is scarce that Fine Gael can just sign a blank cheque, basically, to a company to build a children's hospital that's going to be the most expensive in the world. We've no idea what the final cost will be. That's the sort of contract they've entered into. Sure, that is madness. Or the broadband um, contract. I live in a rural constituency. We desperately need broadband. But we don't need to spend €3 billion uh, to to roll it out... um, on a system that the state will not own and will actually be sold on again in 10 years' time. That's exactly what happened to, tele, to, to Telecom to telecom Air and Aircom. Uh, so these are terrible mistakes that you're right, we need accountability for. We in the Labour Party have always tried to put in um, legal frameworks for accountability. Uh, in, in politics, for example, we ended political donations. We've limited uh, the amount of money that could be spent on elections. That was fought tooth and nail by both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. We brought in freedom of information, which I think any journalist will find is transformative. When we went out of government, Fianna Fáil um, tore the guts out of it 
and we put it back together in the last term in government because we believe in freedom of information. And, you know, a lot of public bodies don't believe in it either. But it, so there'd be more of that to come. And and register of lobbyists we brought in. So there's a lot we can do in having transparency. But the fundamental issue that Dunica talks about is having somebody accountable. And that I think we need in the public service devolved responsibility to named individuals that are not only accountable but responsible. They have to be given the right to make the decision, but then be accountable for that decision. And there has to be a consequence when they make disastrous decisions. Just looking through your manifesto uh, quickly there at the at the launch today, one thing that did jump out at me there was the Shannon, um, you know, the use by the US and saying that you yeah. would you would stop that. Yeah. So are you saying <clears throat> that you would go head to head, I suppose, with President Trump over that issue? Is that something that you think it would be easy for the Irish government to um, halt at this stage? There's a lot of moral issues that are difficult uh, and that would have consequences. Um, but we've said that um, unless those troops were involved in um, a war or a, a mission that was sanctioned by the United Nations, that we would not let, let them use Shannon. Um, I think most people agree with that in Ireland. We don't want uh, to have our neutrality compromised. Neutrality is something precious and positive, not, th- not negative. Uh, and we Claire Daly has called for inspections, I think, and McWallace. Yeah. Do you think that would be something that a, a well, Labour... If we're going to if we're going to um, actually um, uh, implement what we're suggesting, we'd have to have some sort of inspections. Um, and as I say, I'd like to see our our neutrality being positively utilised as a force for good. We're currently campaigning for a seat on the Security Council of the United Nations, but that has to be for a purpose, not to be a sort of a nodding duck, but to actually challenge um, the, the strong and the mighty, um, and and make a moral case for it. And you're right, there will sometimes be pushback, um, but we have to, you know, do what we can uh, morally uh, to to change things for the better. Uh, And I believe most Irish people would argue for that. And Brendan, I suppose after this um, general election, there's been a lot written in the last year or so about the competition for your job between yourself and Alan Kelly. I know you've addressed it a number of times and it seems to have uh, died down somewhat in the last number of months. <laughs> Are you expecting to be the, the Labour leader after this general election or is Alan Kelly uh, hot on your heels? It's all hands on deck. Um, n- neither I in Wexford nor Alan in Tipperary are TDs yet. So we're, none of us, I think, are presumptive about even being a TD after um, the 8th of February. We all have to win our seats and there are 31 Labour candidates looking for that position and I wouldn't be surprised if there's 31 potential leaders. Brendan, thanks so much for joining us here today at thejournal.ie really appreciate it. My pleasure, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Candidate with me, Christina Finn. Thanks once again for all your questions and sorry if we did not get to include yours. We'll be putting your questions to another party leader in the coming days. If you'd like to listen back to our interview with Michal Martin, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced and co-edited by Laura Byrne and Nikki Ryan. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend you think will enjoy them.